Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Well, again, I want to say welcome back, students. Love you guys and can't wait to see you. Uh, I just because I like to do this, go frogs, and a big shout out to you guys. You are an integral part of Antioch Fort Worth, and we are a whole together because you are a part of us as a church. And so look forward to seeing everybody next week in the parking lot. I mean, you know, we are a cell church. That's how we started house to house, temple courts all those years ago, and uh, we, we would talk about these kinds of times, not knowing what they might look like, where we would be forced to be in our homes and then occasionally come together for the large meeting. Well, that's what's, hap- that's what's happening next week. It is going to be a, a celebration service, a coming together of all of our different small groups and life groups from around the city. We're excited about that. One thing I want to plug here right on the start, one of the things we're going to do next week is have a commissioning time at the end of the message. So I want to encourage you, whatever your background is, whatever your sphere is, we've done this for a number of years now, but want to encourage you, be there. We're going to pray a blessing over you as you go into your sphere of education or whatever it might be. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles up, Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Let me read that key passage for us today. This is Acts 14, verse 22. There they strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, it is through many persecutions that we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, in this series on We Are the Church, we've been asking this question over and over, and the Lord has been answering again and again. How is the Holy Spirit, how are you leading us through this liminal space? We've left something behind back there, and we're moving into something unknown. And all through the book of Acts, that very thing was happening, and the Lord has been leading us. And you know, even on this particular message, I think it's something that we need to emphasize as a church that the Holy Spirit is leading us through trials and sufferings. We're going through hard stuff, and He is leading us through those kinds of things. Now, who out there needs some encouragement? You know, we all need encouragement. Just bump somebody right there on the couch or wherever you're watching this and just say, you need some encouragement, and say it. (laughs) All six of y'all, say it back to me. All right, woo! Um, So part of the way that happens, though, part of the way encouragement happens is to not be caught off guard by the fact that you go through hard times, that we go through trials, that that is a part of the Christian life, is trials, persecutions, sufferings. We'll get into that word in just a minute. But uh, this whole section starts in verse 8 of 14. And uh, I'll just kind of tell the story here, but Paul has gone from Antioch, Pisidia, in Pisidia to Iconium, and now he's gone to Lystra. And in Lystra, they heal a guy who was crippled from birth. So in the name of Jesus, this guy gets up and walks around. It's an unbelievable, it's, a, it's an incredible miracle. And so it's at this point that you have to go, uh, you know, you have to be aware of the crowd mentality. I'll say something about that in just a second, but there is some 
there's idolatry going on. They want to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas because they've done this healing, and it's the very thing they don't want to happen. And so Paul preaches like, no, no, no. They tear their clothes and say, don't do this. This is actually what we've come to stop. There's a real God, the living God, who gives you everything for your enjoyment, who made you. He doesn't want you to do this. He doesn't want you to give your lives to idols. And so that's what's going on. The crowd is wanting to do that. And they ultimately, some guys come in from Antioch, Pisidia, and they stir the crowd up. And they ultimately stone them and leave, uh, Paul anyway, and leave him for dead. So let me just pause here and say a quick word about crowds. Can I do that? A quick word about the crowd. And that is, be careful. Be careful about crowds. Now, uh, I, I think this is out of parenting, some, some major parenting genre book, uh, but I know my mom said it to me a lot, probably my dad too, but I would come in and I would say, uh, hey mom, can I do whatever it is? And, and mom would look at dad and then she'd say, now honey, son, if, if everybody was jumping off a cliff, now would, would you want to do that too? And I'm like, no mom, I just want to go to 7-Eleven or, you know. <laughs> I want to, the streets are flooded. It's Houston. And I want to go swim out in that little river that's out there in front of our house. If everybody's jumping off a cliff, would you do? I'm, uh, I don't know. Wow, it's freaking me out. So, but the mob mindset here is on. Think about it. Two guys healed somebody. Grab some cows and stuff and let's go do sacrifices to them. The mob mindset's on. Some guys come in from Antioch, Pisidia, and they stir it up against, and then they're like, Oh, these guys came in, crowd mindset's on, let's kill them and throw stones at them until they die. That's the crowd mindset. Now, there is a reminder here for us, listen to Jesus. Listen to the good shepherd and he will lead us through this time and listen to what your mom says too, for sure. So, you know, we need to be aware of this. Where are the crowd mindsets happening in this time? And let's get back now to this, the passage here. So they left him for dead, and they leave Lystra, and they go to Derby. And in verse 21, it says, after they had proclaimed the good news to that city, Derby, and had made many disciples, they then returned to Lystra and on to Iconium and Antioch. And there they strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, it is through many persecutions that we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, you know, one of the things I'm thinking when I, when I read this, so he's beat up, stoned and left for dead. They come around him, he gets up, and then he goes on to Derby. They make disciples there, but then he comes right back to the city where he'd been stoned. I'm wearing a, a beard disguise with dark sunglasses and a hat pulled down over my head. You know, I mean, he's just been killed basically there in that city. But he goes back and he's strengthening the disciples. He's encouraging them. One of my little theories was knowing that this Lystra is where Timothy comes from. That's his city. Maybe Paul was staying with his mom and grandma, you know, because when he comes back through on the next missionary visit, he invites Timothy to join the apostolic team. So just those are just some background things there that are going on. And these churches are probably the Galatian churches that Paul's writing to a little later when he writes uh, the letter to the Galatians. So that's just some background there. But 
There's an interesting word there. That word persecutions in the, I'm reading from the NRSV this, uh, today, but in the NIV it says hardships. The Greek word is thlipsis. Hard for us to say thlipsis, T-H-L, thlipsis. And thlipsis means hardship, sufferings, trials, tribulations, persecutions, distress. It's that, it's translated a lot of different ways in the English, but that's the idea. We go through thlipsis in order to enter the kingdom of God. And that's a big deal. From time to time, we'll be asked, do you believe in a theology of suffering? Well, absolutely and emphatically, yes, because we're disciples of Jesus Christ. And I want to make those connections here today for us so that we understand what's going on. It's a, it's a big deal because if we think we're out of all trials and sufferings, that's going to be a great strain on our faith when we go through trials and sufferings because we all do. And, and there's reasons why we do. I'm going to hit some of those theologically here for, in just a minute, but it's, I don't want us to be caught off guard. When everybody's saying peace and safety and, and Christians do have to go through tribulations, I remember uh, there's some theology about the end times that Christians are just out of here and we don't go through anything. And I just remember hearing that and going, yeah, but what about the millions of Christians that are dying around the world in China and North Africa and North Korea and the Middle East and different places where persecutions break, you know, pop up? There are tribulations. There are trials. There are sufferings. And there are hard things that we go through. And here's the main thing. We follow Jesus Christ through trials and sufferings in order to express God's love and God's kingdom to one another and to the world around us, to one another. It's important that we express it to each other. I mean, we have to live through it in, in a way that's life-giving with one another and then to the world around us. So let, let's answer a couple of questions here. And the first one is this, why are trials and sufferings connected to the kingdom of God? Clear enough, you go through many trials to enter the kingdom of God, many hardships, many persecutions to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Why? Well, if I ask a tough theological question around Antioch, you guys are so astute, and I lay a big, heavy question on you, and you're like, uh, I, I, I don't know um, what should you answer. If you don't know the answer to the question, Jesus. Yes, it's working. <laughs> Decades later, um, it's working. Jesus, because it's the way of Jesus. I mean, this is not, it, at one level, it's not complicated. We're following Jesus. Uh, Jesus is, he shows us what unconditional, self-sacrificing, other-centered, agape love looks like. He reveals the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this relationship of love from all eternity. And even though we're broken, even though we've sinned and messed things up, God sends His Son, Jesus, in the incarnation into the world. This, this, this uh, emptying of Himself, this this going the way of, of having it all, and yet he emptied himself of his divine prerogative is the way Philippians 2 says that, in order to become us, become one of us, and enter into our darkness, bringing the light, enter into our death, bringing life. 
That's what Jesus does, and it's just his way, it's his life, it's the cross itself, it's the resurrection, it's the ascension, it's the pouring out of the Spirit for us because of his great love for us. So so it's the way of Jesus, it's the way of love, that's what I'm saying in all of that, it's agape, other-centered, self-giving love, it's ultimately, and I would even say the cross is the ultimate expression of that love of God being, being put on display for us. When Paul says cross, he's not just talking about wood and nails. He, that's, that's, that's a, when he says the cross, I, I resolve to know nothing with you except the cross. He's talking about that's, that's code for the whole story. I'm, I'm letting, yes, I want you to know the whole story of God and what God has done for us. So it's the way of Jesus. It's the way of, the, it's the way of love. It's the way of the cross that I'm preaching to you. It's the way of discipleship. We are following Jesus who goes in this way, who goes in this way of love, who goes in this way of self-giving, other-centered love in the way of the cross. In fact, in Matthew 16, 24, And in other places, he says, if you would follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So so trials in the kingdom go together because we're following Jesus, because it's the way of love, because it's the way of the cross, because it's the way of discipleship, and because it's the way of the kingdom of God. So Paul writing back to these churches in uh, in the Galatians, uh, the letter, he says, You've been rescued out of this present evil age. And, you know, this evil age, I I do this illustration all the time, but I want to do it again here. Just this age is marked by oppression, injustice, unrighteousness, sin. And the Jews were expecting the coming age when the Messiah would bring righteousness, peace, and plenty, and, and justice, and all of these things. And that would happen at the resurrection. What they did not expect was for that kingdom, for that reign, that rule, that coming age to break back into this age in the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we live now in this in-between time, in between the ages, where there is the kingdom of this world, but the ruler of of the the kingdom of of this world has been defeated by Jesus But we live in the in-between time, and there is going to be conflict between the enemy of Satan and the enemy, uh, excuse me, the the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of Jesus. And we are are ambassadors of that realm, ambassadors of heaven. We express the will of heaven, the reign of heaven on the earth, and that, though, sometimes means conflict, and it means that we... Uh, we need a theology of suffering. We need to understand that we are following in the way of Jesus, who was obedient to the Father in all things, even to the point of death. I mean, the incarnation is like just mind-blowing, but even then, he constantly lived that life of only doing what the Father was doing. So those are just huge pieces. And this is what, if you think about the fruit of the Spirit, it's what it looks like in action. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience. Patience literally means long-suffering. So it is a promise for us that we will be going through these kinds of things. So what do trials and sufferings look like? 
And you're like, I got some answers over here myself. I mean, for all of us, there's all kinds of things. But in the way of Jesus, in the way of following Jesus, in the way of love, in the way of the cross, you know, one of the things we can experience from time to time is rejection. Rejection by friends, rejection by family. And, you know, that kind of persecution happens all over the world. And even where there's physical suffering happening in different parts of the world, where people are being tortured and different kinds of things, it starts with friends and family. Like, it, it's, it's, people don't understand that, yeah, we don't have persecution like that in the United States, maybe, but we have the friends and family part here. And, I, I mean, I totally know people in our church that have been completely written off by their families because they're following Jesus Christ. They don't talk to them. They, they don't have anything to do with it. They shun them. Different parts of the world, it might look like, you know, they, they carry a casket around the city because you're now dead to us because you're following Jesus Christ or because you were baptized. People understand what baptism means, that you're dying to your old life and being raised up a new creation, a new race of people. It's literally what's happening there. You know, some, some feel some kind of a label that that can be a trial or hardship that we have to go through. Sometimes religious rejection uh, can be really hard. Other religious people, other Christians reject you because you're following hard after Jesus or going the way of the cross or laying down your rights or doing something that's out of the norm. And so you're persecuted for that. You're looked down on. You go through trials because there's many different kinds of sufferings and not all of the sufferings are physical. And I just want to go ahead and say that. I was with a brother one time who had just had somebody martyred in their church. He's from Indonesia. And, um, and I was like, man, this is not the same. And what he said to me, though, he said, Jamie, my brother, you don't understand. Right now we have physical sufferings and right now you have materialism. And he said, I've driven around the city and I don't know if I could be faithful to the Lord with all of this stuff. And it took me a while to meditate on that and just realize there are different kinds of sufferings in the body of Christ. And the question is, will you be faithful to Jesus Christ? Will you keep going? And I have to ask myself that question. Is, any, is there anything that could happen to you that would make you turn away? Trials and sufferings. Trials and sufferings. Sometimes people make decisions out of our woundedness, out of our pain, and we hurt others in the body of Christ. Maybe you've been hurt, uh, and so we pull back. But the trial, the suffering, is a lot of times it's something that we want to be different. We want to be healed of a situation, but we're not. We want COVID to be over, but it's not. We want something to be different, but it's not. And we're coming into the political season. We want the Democrats and the Republicans to love each other, but they don't. You know, and so, Lord, help us. These are times, these are trying times for us. And there's a warning here and an encouragement. Maybe I've already done a warning. I'm actually happy on the inside. Just want to say that to everybody pastorally, want to bring everybody along. But there's a warning here. If you think about the parable of the soils, there's four different soils. And Jesus, the, the, he tells, you know, there's four, these four different soils. And his disciples ask, ask him after he tells that parable, what's the meaning of this? And he said, you don't understand this parable? Well, then how can you understand 
any parable. How will you understand all of the parables? It's like it's a key to un understanding. It's a door we walk through to understand there's kingdom seeds are constantly being sown into our lives. And it's being snatched up by the enemy, the hard soil. Or the second soil, and this is the one we're talking about today, is when trials come, when thlepsis, when thlepsis comes, they fall away. They have no roots. Or others are in rocky soil, and then the worries of life choke out the roots, and they fall away. And the fourth soil, so 25% is the good soil. 25% of the soil bears a harvest, 30, 60, or 100-fold. And man, I'm believing for Antioch, and everybody that hears my voice, let's be good soil. Let's be good, good soil that, that grows a harvest of life and righteousness and peace and the kingdom of God coming, the reign of God being expressed in our lives. So why are trials and sufferings connected to the kingdom of God? That's, I'm trying to work through that. We, obviously, it's, we could keep going. But the, the next question there, just practically, how then do we walk forward through trials and sufferings? Again, if I'm asking a deep theological question like that, where should we start? Yeah, Jesus. We look to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3 says exactly that thing. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw aside every weight and the sin that clings and so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, the sake of joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. So how do we walk forward in the midst of trials and sufferings? We look to Jesus. We remember that there is a principle here about trials and sufferings that there's something good on the other side of it. We don't choose it. I don't choose it for you. You're not choosing it for me. And so we're not trite like, oh, well, you know, I know it's hard, but remember you grow on the other side of that. But actually you do remember that you grow on the other side of There's joy, there's maturity, there's deeper love, there's deeper joy, peace, and patience, and kindness. There's more of the Lord's life on the other side of the trial. That's a huge thing to remember. I would also say, so look to Jesus and remember the promises. Remember the promises of God. I was just going to go straight to John chapter 16, verse 33, which is a great promise from Jesus, but I read the verse right before it and I felt like we needed to read it as well. So let's look at John 16, verse 32. <laughs> the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each one to his own home. I'm sorry, I just could not not read that verse. You'll be scattered, each one to his own home. Is, could there be a more relevant word from Jesus to us? We have been scattered, each to his own home. All through this time, you'll leave me alone, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. He's talking about the cross. And I've said this to you, I've said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. 
conquered the world, conquered the ruler of the power of the air. That's what God did for us in Jesus Christ. And so we remember these promises, the promise of peace, the promise of victory, the promise of love. Turn back to Romans. Romans chapter 8, the famous passage of victory of God's love for us in Christ Jesus, nothing being able to separate us. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, here's these thlipsis words, hardship, distress, or persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor the present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That's a promise. Like, that's a promise for me. That's a promise for you. That's a promise for you and you that Jesus is victorious and that nothing, I almost hit the thing, nothing, 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 nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's good news. That is good news. So how do we do this? Then we look to Jesus, we remember the promises, and we walk forward together. We do this thing together. You know, it's a word. I'm going to give you three words. that We were just at the uh, some oversight team meetings for Antioch, the movement, a couple weeks ago, and the Lord, just out of that time waiting on the Lord, the Lord highlighted three words for us to remember. And I just want to speak them out to us right now as a church. Prayer, unity, and mission. Prayer, unity, and mission. We are a people of prayer. And what God is wanting to do through us has to be undergirded with prayer. We cannot live, it's, it's breath, it's air for us. We can't live without prayer. It is, our prayers are the tracks that, lay, that, that, that lay, lay the way for the train of all that God wants to do in and through us. So we are a, we're a people of prayer. God's calling us to prayer, to prayer and fasting. I would even just say, we're going to start, a lot of us already been practicing the spiritual discipline, but the Antioch pastors were on a call this past Thursday and we we're talking about this stuff, and we're just going to start praying and fasting on Tuesdays. And I want to encourage you, if you, you want to join us, you want to call to prayer, there's your call to prayer. We're going to pray and fast on Tuesdays. And, and not only that, I just, if that's just one meal, two meals, I don't, it doesn't matter. But join us in prayer. Let's be a praying people during this time. Um, I got an email last night from, there's a proclamation been given by the mayor, Mayor Betsy Price, that this next Wednesday from 12 to 1, from noon to 1, is a day of prayer for Fort Worth by declaration of the mayor. You know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens in government and, you know, like I can get behind that or I can't or I need to subvert that or whatever. This is one we can get behind. I mean, it's got all kinds of Bible verses. God, who's the God of the impossible, can do things. Praying against COVID. Um, uh, the Second Chronicles 714, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face. I will heal their land. I mean, all this in the mayor's proclamation. <laughs> Amen. Let's, can we pray during that time? So prayer, unity, 
is that second word there, unity. There's 59 different one another's in the New Testament. And I think part of that exhortation is because we need the exhortation to one another, to love, to encourage, to bear one another's burdens, to come underneath and lift each other up. There is such a pull toward disunity. It's the last thing Jesus prayed. And I'm telling you, it's the message of Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. You, you get where I'm going with that. It, unity is a huge message uh, for us in Christ. Like, we are a new creation. It was one of the words that was spoken over me just in, in prayer before this service. New creation. Like, we're in Christ. There's, there's two races. I know we've got a lot of stuff to work through ethnically in the church, but there's two races. And this is how we build our, this is the strength of the church. It's not just that we've got some kind of ideological hope in the church. It's based on the reality of new creation. There's life in Adam that's dead and goes to the grave in Christ. And there's life in Jesus Christ, who's raised us up in him to live a new life. The last Adam is new life. It's a new race of people. No matter what your ethnicity is, we live a new life together in Christ. And that's the basis of us being the place where all of this stuff is worked out. I'm, te ah, I'm telling you, when you meet another brother or sister, they are in Christ with you. The Christ in me greets the Christ in you. And I, it's, not my, uh, it's not my freedom to then turn my back on you and count you not in Christ because you differ with me on some piece of doctrine. I don't get to say you're not in Christ. I mean, I'm just, some of this, the, the, uh, you know, but if we turn our backs long enough, we will, in our own darkened mind, believe that somebody else is not in Christ. I read a book, number of years ago by a friend from Abilene, Dr. Richard Beck. It's called Unclean. And the, the premise of the book is what we do, like there's things uh, like when you, you've, you've got saliva in your mouth and if you spit, you don't want to then drink that back. That's unclean. <laughs> it's also gross, it's gross right? So, but that's unclean. And so what happens is there's a disgust about that. And there is, a, there, there is a process of disgust that you have to go through to get to disunity in Christ. You have to make judgments again and again and again that, that create a disgust that you look at another part of the body of Christ with disgust. Their doctrine is disgusting. It's, it's, over time, it allows you to dehumanize other people, other races, other parts of the body of Christ, and look down on them as disgusting. And that's how disunity actually happens. And we have to fight. We have to make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We've been given something in Christ that we now keep. It's not something we make happen. We've been given it. And you look out there at who's in Christ, and whether you like them or not, and whether you don't like their robe-wearing, banner-waving, whatever it is, tongue-speaking, 
whatever it is, the, the women up on the stage, you know, just all these different things. We don't have the privilege, the freedom of saying they're not in Christ. And so we are very clear about what that circle of inclusion is. And it's Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of the world. He died for the sins of the world. Amen. Resurrected on the third day by the power of God. And uh, so, wow. Getting into some stuff there. Um, Here's one more just because we're in this season. I'm going to keep, right now is the time to start thinking about voting and elections and not just losing our minds and going gaga like our head's been cut off and we're just running around and just acting mindless. You know, like right now is actually the time to think about that. And so if, 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 if we get in the habit of doing the disgust thing toward people of different parties, this makes sense? You know, even our, like, okay, can we just pass on the party thing for just a second and remember there are brothers and sisters in Christ first that are calling Jesus Christ Lord that are in different parties. And so it's, it's really huge. We're going to keep emphasizing Jesus Christ, first allegiance to him, and to act like Christians who are in unity with one another, even when the whole world is going bonkers. We're going to stand for Jesus. And then the last piece there, prayer, unity, went on that one a little long, sorry, but uh, is, is mission. And we are a witness-bearing people. We are an apostolic people. That's, that's who we are as Antioch. That's who we've always been. A life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, boundary-crossing, foundation-laying, apostolic people. And one of the things that came out of our time a couple weeks ago is to go, you know what? We've got a lot of people that are hurting. We've got a lot of people that need pastoral care and ministry and, and family, but we can't let go of the apostolic mission that we are called to as the people of God. It's actually, unity happens so much better when we're doing something. When we're doing something together, Max Lucado tells this famous story. Years ago, um, when he was a kid, he uh, went on a fishing trip with his best friend, best friend in the world, and his dad. They go on a, get in a camper, and they go out to some lake, and they're going to fish. But big storm comes in day one, and they get out the Monopoly board, and they're in there in the little camper and just having a blast playing Monopoly. It's kind of fun. It's different. You know, it's not what they went to do, but, you know, they're having fun playing Monopoly and all that. And uh, day, day two, they wake up, storm just raging. Don't know how that's going to sound on the recording. And I got a thumbs up from back there. And so, uh, <laughs> and so day two, storm's happening, just falling rain like crazy. They're getting a little more tight with each other, though, getting on each other's nerves, a little snippy. Day three wakes up, and his dad said, that's it, we are out of here. Now, the point of that story is that when fishermen don't fish, they fight. So we have a mission. We're called to reach people, to make a difference, to express the kingdom of God, to do justice and righteousness, express the gospel, the good news, and calls to salvation and life that's so awesome in Jesus. But when we don't do that, we turn inward, and then we, before long, we start picking faults with, you know, different different people and it leads to division instead of unity in vision together 
So, yes, we are moving through hard times. We are walking forward through trials. And let me just say it this way as I'm wrapping up. Trials are ultimately how we walk in the victory of God. We walk through trials in order to stand in the victory of God. And sometimes our victory is just the fact that we stay in the game, that we don't quit, that we, that we let that seed grow in the soil of our lives and we don't let it get choked out. I'm just worrying all the time or I don't fall away because of flipsis, because of persecutions and trials and sufferings, but we stand. And that's the way Paul says it at the end of Ephesians. He says, when you've done everything else, put on the armor, do all that stuff. And when you've done everything else, sometimes all you can do is stand. And that's what we do. Whether sometimes it's victory, we're marching on and we're high-fiving. And sometimes it's just, and just, we're just standing. And you know what? As we stand, our roots are probably being stretched and going deeper. And we become more of the, the oak of righteousness that God's calling us to become. So, stand up wherever you're at. Drew, come on up. Facilitate a little bit of music here. And I just want to I want to facilitate a bit of ministry. Um, and I want to pray for two different uh, specific people. And just, you're there in your living rooms. I'm trying to imagine it right now. But you're in your living rooms. You've got your family. You've got your roommates. And just go ahead and everybody stand up right now where you're at. And let's just respond to the Lord. You know, it could be that, you know, right now you're in the middle of the trial of your life. And if you were honest, just, and, and maybe you don't even have to think long, you realize this past week, man, I blew it. It was a struggle. I am, I am in the middle of the struggle of my life, and it's hard. I just, I want to pray for you. Or maybe it's been this, this past month, you'd say, I, you know, or even this year. I, I feel sometimes like 2020 has been, it's like years it's been going, and we're at August, you know, and, and we need prayer. We need prayer for pressing through with grace. And uh, so I want to pray for you guys. And I also want to pray for those just on the soils that we I'm, and specifically want to call out. It's the 25% soil that's good that we want to be. We want to be a 30, 60, 100 fold harvest. But that means not letting, the, letting Satan snatch it away. Not, being, not letting trials and troubles snatch it away or cause us to fall away. We don't want to be those. So I want to pray for you. And um, yeah, I've got maybe one other thing, but let's just pray. Father, we turn our hearts to you. And I, just right now in the midst of this great trial, what is a suffering for many, Lord, I pray for encouragement in the name of Jesus. Just right now, just meet people where they're at, family members, uh, d roommates, different ones of us. We know different parts of our families are going through hard times right now. Life group leaders, different life group members, or maybe the life group leaders themselves, different ministry leaders. Lord, we've never been pressed like this, many of us, in different ways. And so, Lord, would you bring your encouragement, bring your help, bring the prayer, bring the unity, bring that sense of purpose and calling into our lives. Lord, we are not going to back down by your grace, Lord, we're going to stand. We're, by your grace, Lord, we're going to keep going. I just I pray, Lord, where worries, where trials, 
are trying to choke things out. God, I pray for grace right now. All around just everyone, every room that's represented that can hear my voice. In the name of Jesus, Lord, do it. Yeah, and I just want to release the uh, a grace to look to Jesus. We've seen that that's what needs to happen here. Just fresh vision of Jesus. Looking to Jesus who endured. Who had a joy that was set before Him and, and endured. And we are called to take our own cross. Lord, I just pray for that grace for dads and moms who are going through hard times right now for their kids. Laying down their lives. Just grace to let, keep laying down your life. For brothers and sisters to get along. Keep laying down your life. Your preferences the way you want it to be, but it's not. Just, I pray for grace. And, and grace to receive the promises of Jesus. That He's overcome. That He's bringing peace. And that His love will never, never stop. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, Father, give us grace to do the one another's during this time to love one another well. And I just pray for you too. As if, if you if you've been away from the Lord during this time, man, come back. Just be like be like the prodigal who's coming back. That's what he's he's just he's right there, open arms. That's our Father. He loves you. He cares about you. And if you need to give your life in a fresh way to Jesus, why not the pressure of COVID and all that's going on right now to say? I dedicate my life to you, Jesus. I want to follow you with all my heart. We love you, Lord. Lord, bring us back together next week with joy in our hearts, high-fiving in the Spirit, loving on each other. We love you so much. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. May the Lord bless you. May you go in His peace. May you walk in His life trusting Him through this time of trial and suffering in many different ways, but there's encouragement as you look to Jesus. Let's be Jesus' people, His kingdom people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Go in peace. Love y'all.